In the vast landscape of personal transformation, every individual's journey is unique, filled with diverse experiences, struggles, and triumphs. Recognizing the power of storytelling as a catalyst for growth and connection, a journal club emerges as a vibrant space for people to gather, share, and inspire one another along their transformative paths. Welcome to the Pond Journal Club, a space where participants bring their narratives to life, weaving together the threads of their personal journeys. The club serves as a platform where individuals can openly express their emotions, reflect on their challenges, and celebrate their achievements. It is a space where vulnerability is embraced and participants find solace in knowing that they are not alone in their transformations. The purpose of this journal club extends beyond mere storytelling. It fosters a sense of community, providing a supportive network for individuals who share similar aspirations and experiences. By actively participating in the club, participants create connections and forge meaningful relationships based on empathy, understanding, and shared growth. As members take turns sharing their stories, the journal club becomes a wellspring of inspiration. Each perspective serves as a source of motivation, offering valuable lessons, insights, and strategies for overcoming obstacles, pursuing personal growth. Ultimately, the live journal club serves as a transformative catalyst, empowering individuals to embrace their stories and take ownership of their personal growth. It cultivates a safe and nurturing space where narratives intertwine, fostering empathy, encouragement, and the unwavering belief that everyone has the potential to grow, evolve, and find fulfillment in their transformational journeys. And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy Journal Club. I am Uncle Lou, and today I have Brian Wesley Harrington and Darren Jenkins with me today. This is a really exciting journal club because it is our final of the year before we take a break for the next season of Don't Be Coy. And for this season, we're going to be concluding our conversation around the transformation process and the topic of embracing triumphs, cultivating presence, and charting future, a journey of transformation. And so with that, what we'll be talking about is just the, the end of the transformation process. We've gone through how we can identify that we're going to take the chance towards starting a transformation, what it looks like in navigating various different challenges, how we can do self-reflection, and now talking about how we celebrate those wins and our victories. For this first question, how do, you, how do celebrating victories contribute to your overall sense of achievement and being. Brian, I'll let you go first on that one. Yeah. So when I think about victories, I think about like small things to a little small accomplishment and that you make throughout the day. Today, for example, I got up, I went to a coffee shop. I worked for about two hours. To me, that was a victory because it's Christmas break. I really wanted to stay in the bed and watch TV. So that was a victory for me. Uh, but so celebrating that help my overall well-being because they help me practice gratitude and i mm. believe that gratitude and gratitude is so beneficial so benefic so beneficial to our mental health and our overall well-being celebrating successes whether you think they're small or big to me impact us because it's built it builds momentum so i got this done I celebrated, I acknowledged that I did that, I practiced gratitude. It builds momentum for me to go on to the next task. So yeah, so it, it impacts my overall well-being heavily and in a very good way. Yeah. 
I'll add to that. I think that for me, when I think about celebrating my own personal victories, whatever that looks like for me, I think it's important for me to do that because when I think about like my love language, my love language is words of affirmation. For me, it's affirming the things that I've done and giving myself space and grace for those for those times when I think I could have done better, but also recognizing that even in those times I think I can do better, give yourself some grace. You You just did the damn thing. It's funny that you asked that question, Melvin, because earlier today I wasn't feeling my best just because of just some life circumstances that have been happening. And I was reminded because someone actually sent it to me, the institution I work at, UNC Wilmington, and they did a, a story on me a, a couple months ago and someone sent it to me and was like, don't ever forget the great work that you're doing. And so for me, that was something that kind of refilled my cup. Because we often talk about you can't operate from an empty cup. And so for me, even being able to reflect back on that, because that was something that I was very proud of, because they don't typically just write these articles and celebrate people like that often. And so for me to have that experience, it was really, it meant a lot to me, especially as a man of color here, because this institution where I'm working at is very white. It's heavily white. And so for me as a Black man to be celebrated in that way, like it meant a lot to me. And so for me, I think it's important to remember those victories, especially in those times when you may be feeling down, in those times when you might not, your cup may not be filled. And so when you're thinking about how you operate and like how you move forward with things, I think it's important to remember those times. Yeah. I want to piggyback on what you said about the word, words of affirmation, love language, and the piece about giving yourself grace. My words, my love language is words of affirmation as well. And mm -hmm. I did not connect until you just said it, that how that plays into me and my practice of gratitude and affirmation. Yeah. I did not make that connection. So mm -hmm. thank you for bringing that to my awareness, but also the piece about giving ourselves grace and celebrating the victory, even when we think we haven't won. Cleo Wade had this saying, she was like, your life experiences are only as valuable as the lessons you learn from them. And so I think that even in the moments of us, like our overall well-being, sometimes we get folks on, oh, well, I didn't do as good as I wanted to do. But just mm -hmm. acknowledging, okay, what lesson can I learn from this? Exactly. What can you teach me? That, too, impacts our overall well-being. I think it's important to, to make sure that we, like you said, give ourselves grace and make sure we look at the lesson. Let's look at the lesson that we learned from the experience. Because every experience is a, is a lesson. And if you're not taking that time to intentionally reflect on the things that you can improve upon or, or things that you can do better in the future, that's what are you doing? Because it's like you're, like you're just making the same, I, I don't want to say mistakes, but you're basically doing the same thing, expecting different results. Mm -hmm. You're in a cycle. So, you Something that both of y'all touched on there, I've been in this space of really trying to understand about self-compassion and self-love and really trying to figure out how to best practice that in my everyday life. And it sounds like to me, just from listening to the conversation, is that celebrating your victories, giving each other, giving yourself grace or gratitude is that kind of self-love and self-compassion to one to yourself. And I'm curious, just what does that feel like for y'all whenever, you know, you, you do celebrate a victory or I guess you could say, whether it's big or small, what is that feeling like for you to be able to fill your cup? Is it, is it something that you can tangibly or articulate? That's a good question. 
I don't know if I can articulate it. The best way I can describe the feeling is like when I have those moments where I recognize like the good work that I've done, I think like, there's something in my head that's just, Darren, you did the damn thing. I think that's the best way I can. It's like a, it's like a joyous feeling that I have like in my core. So I think that's like the best way I can describe it. I, I can't really put it into words, but I will tell you where it takes me. It takes me back to like child, like a, my childhood. I mm-hmm. think those moments tap and tap onto my inner child. Cause I feel like a little child who has an adult telling them, you did so good. You did so yes. good today. That was so good. I'm so proud of you. And that's how I talk to myself in those moments. Like he said, oh, you did the death. I'm like, bro, okay, Brian. Okay. You killed that mean. Okay. Presentation was good, blah, 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 you look good. So I'm affirming myself, but I think the best way for me to put it is just I feel like a child again who has an adult that they respect and that they care about, lovingly affirming them, telling them, listen, I'm so proud of you and what you've done. And, and I, I really like what you said with that. I, I think the only thing I would add to that is it's almost you just have, especially if it's something that you've been stressed out about, it's almost just like a sigh of relief. It's just, oh, I actually did that. And and, and it was, it, it, it turned out great. So I, yeah. And I, I really like what you said about, and I, I've never thought about it that way in terms of when we were children and our parents or our guardians or mentors or whatever was always told us that they were proud of us. I, that's a really great way to frame it because when I think about when in those moments, right, of telling myself that I did, like you, you did a good job, like you, you did that. I've never thought about it in that way. That's the feeling that I have whenever I tell myself that is that it's that same feeling of when I was a kid or when I was growing up and having those people telling me that they were proud of me. So I, I like how you framed that. I like that too, because in this whole conversation about transformation and a transformation can be anything, right? It could be something huge where it's like, oh, I said I wanted to lose like 10, 15, 20 pounds and then you do it. It could be um, transitioning into a new career. It could be any kind of transformation. And so with that, I'm curious around what kind of mindfulness techniques you use to stay present in those completions of that transformation. I know we talked about giving yourself grace or patting yourself on the back by saying you did a really good job or you thing, but it's how are you remaining present in there to remember that because like what you were talking about Darren earlier you had someone send you the how do you say the article that reminded you of that hey yeah I did do that dang thing and I am who I am and so I'm curious around what are some mindfulness techniques we can use to stay present when we are completing some type of transformation in our lives question I am a overthinker my mind is always going. I do live with anxiety. So I have, I practice mindfulness a lot as a way to cope with anxiety and, and to be present. And so some practices I use, I do a lot of meditation, but not necessarily just sitting crisscross applesauce. I may go to my car and get the Calm app out or Headspace, or there's some this creator I follow on YouTube, Black Creator. I follow that. Also, Londrell, who I absolutely love. If you have not 
listen to his music, listen to his music. It has a lot of affirmations in it, just music. AJ, the gent on YouTube. I find stuff like that and I just sit and I do deep breathe and do some breath work and I listen to those things. Those moments are so helpful to me, y'all. Like it just, they are so helpful because it helps me to recenter myself, to forget about whatever was making me anxious. And it also helps me remember, Brian, listen, you the shit. Oh, you got whatever's coming your way, whatever's making you anxious, you have it. Let's focus on the now. And when I focus on the now and I listen to those affirmations, like I am enough or everything you have is within. I remember that, you know what, this is true. I have what I need. I'm qualified to be here. I can stop. I can put the thoughts I have on trial, the negative thoughts. Like, so meditation is good for me. Also, when people think about mindfulness too, taking a bath for me. People, I do shower, but there's something about running a bath, using some bath salt and sitting and doing nothing that is so relaxing to me because normally I'm working, I'm doing something, but when I have that moment, I can put on some music, I can put on a podcast, an audio book, a Netflix series, and I'm stopping and I'm doing nothing but relax. Candle is going, I burn specific scents. So like all of those things for me are my things I use, mindfulness techniques I use, and they help me so much. Help me center, help me rest, help me rejuvenate. And it's like basic stuff that's not expensive that you can do. It's not me taking a trip somewhere for self-care. It's just me being mindful of being present and it's inexpensive. I would echo everything that you just said because I, I resonated with that a lot. I know that I practice meditation. I think the first time that I really got introduced to like the true concept of meditation, I was in college and I was taking a religious class, a religion class, and, and we were studying Buddhism. And I, when I was learning about it and like the importance of meditation and like how it grounds you, that's when I really started to take those intentional times to be like, okay, I just need to just sit with this. What, whatever this is, I need to sit with it and work through it. Because I think so many times we just try to just push things off and we don't just sit down and just actually be grounded in, in what's happening in the moment. And so meditation is really big for me. I think another thing that I do, especially in times of, of like high stress and I feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'll just say, okay, Darren, let's, let me just take a second. Let me go outside and just take a walk and just clear my head. So that way, when I come back to whatever it is that I'm dealing with, I'm fully present. Because I think sometimes when we get so stressed out, we're not fully present and engaged in the moment. Yeah, and what you said about uh, the grounding piece, not the grounding piece, but the not dealing with it and pushing through. I think a lot of people think that's dealing with pushing through it, just powering through it. Keep, I, I kept going. No, that's not healthy. It's not. Healthy because it's going to come back up. But mm -hmm. you either deal with it now or you can deal with it later because it's going to come back up because this is an, an issue. And whenever you enter a new season, somebody said this, I'm going to paraphrase it, but whenever you enter a new season, new job, a new situation, everything that you have not healed from rushes to the front. Exactly. And I even used the analogy because I got this right here, right? Like when you get stuff bottled in, like it, it just stays there, right? But as soon as you, as soon as you then hit your point and then it, it just explodes everywhere. It explodes everywhere. Yeah. So I think it's so important for us to take the time to, to as you said, sit with it. Mm -hmm. Why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Where am I feeling it? What happened to, to bring this up? Have I felt this before? 
what do I what did I do back then? How did I deal with it? Did I deal? And just go on and, and, and start healing from it. You ain't got to do all the healing right then, but you need to sit with it and figure out, listen, what is this? Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And Brian, I think something that we shared in one of the conversations about you attending that Black Educators Conference uh, for PhD students and that being a moment where you realized you felt like you were in a safe space. And so... I'm curious from with, within your transformation journey or within your journey of being a student and re achieving your goals, how did that moment impact you wh while you were being present to being in that kind of supportive environment? Yeah, uh, I think the biggest impact I had was community. Oh. Um, as Darren said, my school is very white. I attend the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss. Bless um, you. <laughs> and, and I love my department. I love my program. I love my professors. They are very, they are very culturally competent. I will say that. And the school itself, you know, a lot of schools that just say well, we've got a diversity department. I will say that, that UM really is trying to repair damage. And they really are pushing diversity. And and I can see it. it diversity with race, diversity with gender and sexuality. So I, I really appreciate the effort. Is everybody on board? Hell no. But the university, I appreciate what they're doing. It's, it's Mississippi. And I'm a black queer man in Mississippi and attending University of Mississippi with his, with his history that it has. Going there, I got, so I just, I, I had never been in that kind of community, that kind of setting where there were people who looked like me, all academicians, all working towards a, a doctorate, having the same struggles of being in places where people don't look like them and financial stuff and just life stuff, taking care of stuff at home. We were able to connect on so many things. And usually when I go to a conference, all that I'm connecting on is the subject matter of the conference. So when I went to MCA, a couple of weeks after that, all I could connect on was the fact that there were other counselors there and we were there to get CEUs and learn counseling techniques and the latest in research. And we had a few drinks afterwards and we shared some conversations and that was it. But going to that conference the, the, with the Black PhD, it was, I didn't have to explain stuff to them. There was just a shared understanding of when I said this, they knew what I meant. And I felt safe to say what I needed to say. Also, it showed me that there is more to life than the South, which I love the South. I love Mississippi, but Mississippi don't love me is what I tell people. So it, it showed me like you, the kind of people that you are looking for, the kind of community you're looking for, you've seen it here and you see where these people are located. So maybe you should think about relocate to some of those places. The moment for me, I got community from, to ask you a asking your question, I got community, I got support. One of them texted me today, we were talking. So I got a support network. It also reaffirmed for me that I made the right decision to leave work and to pursue this program to get to my ultimate goal. Yeah. It also showed me too that, although I, I it's a big sacrifice for me financially and that, People have done it. It can be done. 
and that people are making it. So you know what? I know that that Darren is doing it. We're in the same boat. So when I'm having a rough moment, I can text Darren, but like, listen, this is what's going on. I know that he understands. So it reaffirmed for me that, and also, like I said, it, it showed me, I hate to say a new world, but it, it just showed me that, listen, black people are thriving all over the place. And the kind of community you're looking for, it is out there. It may not be where you are right now, but it is out there. And it just motivated me to listen, go on finish so you can get, go and join that community you're looking for. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that is a really great tie-in and a pivot to the end of this conversation. Because like I was saying beforehand, every, there's all different types of transformations, right? And sometimes we go through those transformations alone. Sometimes we go through it with the group. For you, for example, you're in your PhD program, but you're one of none, right? And so you're going through that journey alone, but being in that space, you, whether it's seeing it on social media, going to a conference, or even just seeing representation in any kind of media form, it helped build some sort of sense of community. And I guess where I'm wrapping this up for the question is, it's like, how do you maintain that sense of closure and presence as you conclude your journey and prepare for the next? And what I will say as an antidote towards that is, in my job, we do these things called closure reports. Like anytime we close out a project, we have to do some type of closure report to say, hey, this is what it did for the budget. These are where the documentation is. And there's one thing on there that is giving its kudos or celebrations to the team that helped you get to that particular journey. And I'm curious around for both of you all, when you go to through your various different transformations, how often do you thank those people or even have some type of sense of closure whenever you're transitioning from one moment to the next? I think it is, you have to start off by recognizing that you have to practice gratitude because you have to recognize the people that have helped you get to where you are. I actually just did a, I, I just participated in a webinar not too long ago. We were talking about black educators and, and mentorship and what does that look like? And one of the things that I said in that, in that webinar is that your net, your network is your net worth. And so for me, when I think about the different types of transitions that I've had in my life, both personally and professionally, I would be remiss if I don't acknowledge the people that helped me get to that point. And I think the other part of it too, is once, once you start going through these transformations and you're making the transformations and you're getting ready for whatever the next step is after said transformation, also thinking about the same way that people have may have helped you get to or helped you get through that transformation, how can you then take what you've learned and help someone else go through a different type of transformation? So I, I think all that kind of ties into that. Yes, that part about helping people, I believe, and so this is maybe a year and a half now, I've been really working on like being more authentic and showing up in the world as my most authentic self. And the reason I want to do that is because I feel like if I go into a space and I'm not truly Brian, one, people miss out on the magic that I can bring to the room, but two, who am I opening doors for? In reference to what Dan said about helping the next person, if I go in and I buy into white, cis, straight, male, 
narrative and action. And Ooh. that's how I show up at work. No, that's not who I am. Who am I opening the door for? Other straight, white, cis men or people who are going to come in and, and take on that persona. So I feel like it's important for, for me to be authentic so that I can get in and, and I can open the door for people like me. And so as far as closure, uh. I look, as Darren said, people who help me get to where I am. I also, going back to the lessons I take and I look at what lesson, like what did I gain from this experience? My last job that I had, it, it was a, I had a very tough season on it, a very tough season during it. But a previous job where I had an awful experience prepared me for that job. And the, the first job, it took me down. I had to get on medic anxiety medication. Like it, it was tough. It In there, was yeah. tough. But when I got to the second one there, although it was tough, it didn't take me down like the first one did because I knew. You knew. I knew. I took mm -hmm. the lessons from the experience. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I see what you're trying to do. But I know how to protect myself. I know how to, to be okay. I know what I need to do to make sure that Brian Wesley is okay. And so as far as closure, like I take the, I look at the end of the experience, okay, I'm now about to step into a new role. I'm in my transformation. What happened during this experience? How did I change? What's different about what's different about me? What did I learn? What lesson can I take from this? And not just looking at what people did to me. How did I show up? I was just about to get ready to say that. What was your behavior what in that situation? Right. Listen, and that's a part that that I don't think a lot of people like to acknowledge especially in when you may not have been the best person in the situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when you, when you think about that, that critical self-reflection piece, it's that reflection of what could I have done differently to make the situation better. Right. And so as you're going through whatever that next phase of your life is, regardless of whether that's personal or professional, what is it? What are the things that I think I did right in that period of transition? Or transformation and what are those things that I could have that I could have improved upon so that way when I go through whatever that next transition is gonna be, I'm more prepared for it and I'm able to react in a better way than I may have reacted in the previous transformation. Absolutely. It's just I, I used to be an elementary school counselor, so I would tell the kids we could do an activity where we had to circle up control. And yeah. they would have to see if it was something that they could control and I thought and when they would misbehave, I would say, or they would try to tell off, they take care of who? And they'd say, me, I'm like, listen, okay, so listen, we can only take care of ourselves. We can only control ourselves. In a situation, like you said, what was my role in it? What can I do? If this happens again, what can I do? And yep. I'm the only person that I, that, that I'm the only variable that I can control. And that that's a critical piece is identifying what you can and cannot control. Because at the end of the day, you can't control what anyone else does, but you can control how you act and how you show up in spaces. And I think that is, that's one of the critical lessons that I learned in my life transformations is figuring out how I show up in spaces. Because how I show up in spaces, I recognize now that how I show up in spaces will impact the next Black man that's coming in after me. And I know that now. Yes, and if we're going to truly be about opening doors, then we have to be we just have to be aware of that. We have to be cognizant of that. And mm -hmm. I have to bite my tongue and, and not say it right then. Just look at my office and 
figure out a way to, to approach the situation better. And I remember at the job I was talking about, I remember when I would get angry, they would exclude me from things and it wasn't mm. bad because there was a, a white lady that did it too. I think just because we were outsiders and not from the district and this and that. But I watched her and she would still speak. She was still kind. She still tried to make things work. I did that for a little while and I was just like, you know what the hell with y'all? So I <laughs> walk in with my coffee, my, my bag. I would speak to the front desk clerk and I would go in my office and I would talk to my kids and I wouldn't address anybody on the hall in the office with me except for Nancy. And when I look back on that, did I be their best friend? No. But harboring that negative energy affected me. It did something to me. When I looked at the end of this and into that experience, I said, okay, Brian, what happened? I realized, listen, you can't do that. Cause that energy you had, it affected me. And it was exhausting because that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. So I had to put on that persona. So on my next job when that happened, I didn't really get excluded, but uh, I did have some friction between my administrators and myself, but I didn't take on that role in that this time. When I saw say, hey, how y'all doing? Now I didn't have lunch with them. But I didn't. I learned that if I harbor those negative feelings like I did at the last school, it's gonna affect me in a negative way. So yeah. um, I learned that. Yeah, and I think one thing that that has been critical for me as when I think about my journey specifically professionally is recognizing that I can still be completely authentic in who I am and how I show up in spaces and still play their game. Because I'm gonna still I'm gonna play your game. <laughs> to to get to get what I want and what I need to push things forward. I in, in my positionality now, like I interact with the provost. I interact with all these deans and stuff. And I play the game. I sit down in these meetings and I'm listening and I'm observing, but I'm also showing up as there. You're gonna know that I'm there, I'm there and I'm this black man that's in this space. I may be the only black man here, but best believe you're gonna know that I'm here. Yes. Darren, I if there's a, a TikTok video or meme or something on Instagram. And it was like, I don't know if y'all, oh, it's chicken, you know, the meme with Pat that was driving the car, the radio blast. <laughs> so my favorite one, he was like, like the cat is driving, said, me on my way to work to be the face of diversity and inclusion. <laughs> and that's how I felt in my last two positions and now in, in my school and in my organization I'm affiliated with. So at my first school I talked about, I was the only man in the district as a counselor only black person in my office. Okay, go to my second district. I am the only black male counselor in the entire district. One of two blacks in the office. Okay, in my organization, I'm a state level officer. Only black person on the executive committee. And it's just, I know y'all need one of us on here. So you chose me and in my mind, and they may not be thinking this, one of my notes thinking this, I feel like they're looking at, okay, he black and queer. We got two for one. So we can use him. And that will be like we we in race inclusive and just say so I know what you I know what you're doing. I'ma take it, but I'm gonna get in there and I'm gonna be Brian with. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna show up as this person. You thought you knew what you were getting, but now that you got me, listen, we better really be diverse and inclusive. I'm, I'm gonna make sure while I'm here that 
Because I'm a challenge. I'm a challenge your thought process now. Because now that I'm at this table, I'm finna challenge your thought process. And then I think sometimes our white counterparts struggle with that because it's oh wow now this black man is telling me like I got to come in here and really think about the things that I'm doing and how I'm operating. I'm like yeah. yeah. I need, you, I need you to think about this. I need you to think about how your actions are affecting and impacting other people. And they see it as an attack. But it, it, but I tell people, you when a person doesn't want to hold... It ain't, it, ain't an, it ain't no attack. It's, it's accountability. It's accountability. But when I don't want to be held, held accountable, I'm going to see it as an attack. No, baby. Mm-hmm. We are professionals, particularly right. in my organization. Even at my job, we're counselors. It's in our ethical code to be inclusive and culturally competent. If I see you not doing that, it's a problem. If you see me not doing it, it's a problem. It's about being held accountable. And and, and then you know, when I and then when I call you out on it, it's also not my job to teach you about cultural competence. That's not my job. It's not. You gotta go get your book. Go to your podcast. Go and. YouTube, YouTube. Find, find you a conference to go to because I've done my work. I, I, I point out the inequities to you. Now it's time for you to go and educate yourself. It's time to educate yourself. But going back to the original point, um, I know we got off on a tangent, but I sure enjoyed it. Part of it is critical <laughs> self-reflection. What did I do? What role did I play? How can I do better? That piece to me is very important. So I try to make sure I look at that too. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this conversation. And even with the tangent, I don't even consider it as that because I think both of y'all touched on something that's really important there. Because from the beginning of the conversation, right, we're talking about transformation. We're talking about celebrating victories and how that essentially means self-love and self-gratitude to oneself. And the beauty of that is when you do come out as the authentic self and practice that self-love, that self-compassion, celebrate those victories. And I'm not necessarily making it a public spectacle in the sense that everybody and their mom has to see, but even in the sense of being able to celebrate yourself as you're doing, Brian, and showing up to meetings, showing up to spaces, saying, I am a Black queer man. This is you celebrating that victory of being authentic to yourself. And the fact of that is that you're opening opportunities for other Black queer men and other Black queer individuals. And I think that's the most important piece to itself is that you don't know who you're blessing through your own actions. And I think that is the real key point to it. And I I just really appreciate you for that, man. Absolutely. And it took me a very long time to get this. I'm 33 now. And, but I tell you, I really feel like I'm like two because it's been only like two years since I've really just started really showing up as myself. And it feels so different now. And I am so much more at peace because I'm not watching what I say in front of this person or that person. I'm not trying to hide this part of myself or I'm not worried about oh, if they know this and then what's going to happen. No, because it, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to show up. Uh, if it's on a job, listen, I know my job and I'm going to do it and show up and do it as this person right here. So it, it, it's very important to me. And I'm, I'm at a point now to where if I, I can't be a part of something, if I have to hide important pieces of myself that I want to bring to the space, 
because every, everybody says you don't want to break this space and that's normal that's okay but if it's a piece that i want to bring up uh, to the space and i can't bring it then i don't want to be there i don't want to be there uh because yeah. i worked too hard to get to where i am now to go back to the old way and i'm just not going to do and i think that's the key right there right you put in so much work into this transformation why would you want to go back to the way things used to be for whose comfort because it ain't gonna be mine it's not mine it's not mine <laughs> it's not for me it's for them so everybody that's in the room and it's like what, what dan was saying earlier like when you go in a room and you hold them accountable if i go in that i don't say anything everybody leaves the meeting all happy but here i am internally angry upset toe up but you know what no i'm not i'm not gonna be the only person this meeting toe up that part i am going to point out the inequity i'm going to point out the issue and you're going to have to sit there and deal with it. You're going to have to acknowledge it. You're going to have to discuss it. And you're going to have to do the work. You're going to be uncomfortable too. It's enough. It's, let, let's spread this. Let's spread it around. Absolutely. Spread it around. I think that is a really great conclusion to this particular episode of the Don't Be Coy Journal Club. As mentioned, this is the last journal club of this particular season. However, it is not the last journal club of ever. We will be picking back up in April and really have some really exciting news for everyone around some of the things that's going to go into that. So stay tuned for that. And just as we always conclude, Brian, do you have your hindsight cards? I do. I was trying to decide do I want to do a hindsight card or did I want to do something from Cleo Wade? So I'm going to, I'm going to take a look do both right that's perfectly fine because i think <laughs> both of these fit so my hindsight card i thought about it earlier today and i felt on my way home today and i felt like it fit uh, it says clip your wings so a new set of wings can grow so thinking about in the transformation process and, and going into a new year specifically clip your wings so a new set of wings can grow your old ways may not serve you in this new space there are new heights to see new views that stretch over the sea, a new way to simply be. Clip your wings so a new set of wings can grow. And I love hindsight. And for Cleo Wade, who I also love, uh, a woman of color, excellent book she has, has out. But it says very simply, a message from today. Maybe don't tomorrow your life away. Mm. And I like that one too. A message from today. Maybe not tomorrow, your life away. Thinking about transformation, what we've learned. Okay, now it's time. It's, it's the beginning of the year. What do we do? We set New Year's intentions. What we call them resolutions and goals. I like to use the word intention. But as we go to set them, for me, I know an issue is I have the ideas and the thoughts, but then the discipline for the follow through is where I will mess up. So, that, when I saw that from Cleo West, I said, oh my God, I need to put it on my wall and look at my phone, screensaver, wallpaper or something. Maybe don't tomorrow your life away. Go on and start today. Stop waiting on, well, do I have this? Do I have this next? Do I have this next? No. What do you have today that you can use to start? So, Brian, Brian you just been, Brian, you just been on here dropping gems on this good day. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate it. That's what I, that's the goal. Mm. That's the goal. Thank you for that. Thank you for the affirmation. So you tapping on my, my love, like my words, affirmation. Thank you for that. 
course, of course. Thank you for that. And with that, I conclude this episode of the Journal Club. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. In the tapestry of personal transformation, the Pawn Journal Club weaves its threads with intention and purpose, providing a dedicated space where individuals can embark on their transformative journeys with mindfulness and deliberation. By creating this nurturing environment, the club empowers participants to be intentional in their pursuit of growth, fostering a deeper connection with themselves and others. The purpose of the Pawn Journal Club is to provide individuals with a dedicated space to be intentional in their engagement with their transformation journeys. It offers support, connection, and inspiration as participants share their stories, learn from one another, and foster a community rooted in growth. Within the live sessions, individuals find solace and support as they navigate their transformations. They share their stories, vulnerabilities, and triumphs, knowing that they are met with understanding and empathy. Their shared experience cultivates a sense of community where members uplift and inspire one another, fostering an environment of collective growth. Want to participate in the next Journal Club? Register at dpkpodcast.com or watch live via YouTube at www.youtube.com forward slash at the Pond Journal Club.